Allison Fallon is on in the calm. Allison is the best-selling author of 13 books, has coached thousands of writers from beginners to New York Times bestsellers, and is the founder of Find Your Voice. Allison shares her empowering story of becoming a writer and how ultimately that led her to becoming her true self. Spoiler alert, she fired up her courage, left an abusive marriage, and manifested not only a successful writing career, but also the husband and family of her dreams. And yes, my loves, she is here to spill tea on all the how-tos. Even if you aren't wanting to write a book or share your story with the world, no worries. There is so much for you in this conversation. There is beauty and power that unlocks in us when we open the flow to a deeper relationship with ourselves. She has so much wisdom to share about using writing as a tool for moving through our challenges and shadow season, taking ownership of communication as our birthright and ways that we can get comfortable with allowing our creative flow to, you know, actually flow. What is the story inside you waiting to be shared? Let's dive in and find out. Welcome to End the Calm. I'm your host, Georgiana Alexander. Ellie Fallon is here joining us in the calm. Thank you so much for being here. Oh, it's my pleasure. I'm really, really looking forward to this. Yeah, it's always fun to just hang out. We were just saying like, it feels good just to hang out and have conversations. And yeah, I always feel so inspired, you know, when we talk and I'm not only inspired by you professionally, creatively, but just as, as a human. And I think mm-hmm. so many people will find maybe a breath of validation, especially with writing to connect with themselves, like with the conversations that I know I've been able to have with you. So I'm hoping that that translates for everyone listening as well. I mean, you've written and published 13 books. You've coached hundreds of writers from beginners to New York Times bestsellers and helped hundreds of thousands of people learn how to use writing for their personal growth. I mean, so this is your jam. This is my jam. It's, I mean, it's like my whole world and I love it. I've, I've stumbled into this sort of accidentally, but yeah, it's feels really true to who I am. And, you know, I don't know if we come here with like one great work that we're supposed to do, or maybe many of us, some of us have many, many things that we're supposed to do, but this definitely feels like it's one of mine. So it's a, it's a gift to get to give that. I love that. Well, let's let's like actually dive into that because I think yeah. I always find it interesting how people come into their calling and their purpose. I think that there's a lot of wisdom that we can learn from others and sharing that story. Would yeah. you share like how your career, how this path started for you? Absolutely. So I have always known in a way, in a deep part of me that I wanted to be a writer and specifically an author. I can remember being as young as sixth grade and thinking, you know, when I grew up, I want to write books. That's what I want to do for a living. And I had a lot of encouragement along the way. I had a fourth grade teacher who noticed that I had a gift for writing and was very encouraging to me. And she handed me a composition notebook at the end of that school year and wrote a little note in the front cover that just said, here, Allison, you're a great writer. Don't ever stop writing. So I had a lot of affirmation from people along the way. And then also, as I got a little older in high school and college, I got a lot of the stuff that I think many of us get where when I would tell someone, when I grew up, I want to be an author, they would say, oh, that's so great. And also, can we think through like maybe some backup options because it's a little hard to make money as a writer or whatever. People would just get very practical. And I think that was all very well-meaning, but it did deter me from the path of being an author. I thought, okay, so people don't really get to be an author as a career. So I need a primary career and then I can be an author as a passion project or a side hustle. So I went to school, I got a degree in English and then a master's degree in education. And I started teaching in the public school system. And I taught in the public school system for three years. And something kept telling me that this just was not the right fit for me. And I can't attribute that to anything other than just like my, my dharma or my calling. Like, I don't know what you want to call that. But it was like, something deep inside of me would not let me let go of this idea that I wanted to write books. And so I kept kind of chills right now. I'm like, 
God darn, I was calling you. It was calling me. It was like <laughs> yanking at me. You know, I would go to work every day and go through the motions. But, and I know a lot of people have this experience of like having a job and being like, this is not what I'm supposed to be doing. And yet this is what's paying my bills and it's what's keeping mm -hmm. me financially alive. And, you know, I had a great, like, <laughs> I always joke, like I had great medical, like I had really good health benefits. And so it felt like, almost like it felt so hard to let go of that, knowing that there was no safety net on the other side of it, that it was all in, in the way I would have said it back then is like, it would be all me. I had to try to make this work for myself. I did in 2010. So it's been, or yeah, 2010 was the year that I finally said, you know, to my school that I wasn't going to renew my contract the following school year and took the leap. I had some money in savings. I had a few little side hustles going on and I was like, I'm going to go write my book. And I figured it would take me about six months to write the book. And then three years later, I finally had a manuscript. <laughs> so that was, that's a whole story in itself that I, I don't want to get too bogged down in the details of that story. It was like up and down and up and down and up and down. But my first book published in 2013, that book did very well in the marketplace, better than I think the publisher expected it to do. So that was like a happy surprise. But the, on the other side of that, there was also this, the book did great. Everyone's like, your book did so good. But it wasn't like I was like getting royalty checks that would support, a, you know, like a support me. It wasn't like right. paying my rent. Yeah. And so I still had to figure out what I was going to do on that front. And so I started doing out of necessity. I started coaching other people who wanted to write books. I was like, okay, well, I did this. I kind of figured out the path to securing an agent and a publisher and writing a book proposal document and getting the book out in the world. So I was like, I can use my skill set as a teacher and also this experience I just had and build a curriculum for people. And I started coaching people. So that that has been a big part of my career and my passion for the last decade plus. But out of that has also grown, what, what happened was about three or four years into that, I also went through this huge personal shift in my personal life. Went through a divorce. I left what was a very toxic abusive relationship and had to find myself on the other side of that. And, and because I worked at publishing and the publishers were expecting the next book from me, I was working on this book and I started to feel this tension between the book that I was supposed to be writing and this story that was unfolding in my life. And I was supposed to go and sit down and write this book. But what I kept feeling myself needing to do was to go write what was happening to me. Mm. And I had, because I worked in publishing, I had the blessing and the curse of knowing like this, nobody cares. Like nobody wants to hear about your sob story of what you're going through in your personal life. Like this is not publishable material was what the voice kept telling me. This like practical, logical publishing voice. Mm -hmm. And and yet I couldn't kick the the pull to go do that. So again, it was like my dharma pulling me in this other direction. So I would go every morning for a couple of hours to the coffee shop in my neighborhood and just write this thing, knowing that nobody's ever going to read this. This feels like this huge waste of time, but I'm going to do it anyway. And what I discovered was that writing that story literally saved my life. I mean, I, I wow. used that experience to help me heal from years of abuse and, and, you know, neglect of myself ultimately. But, but so then I was like, I need to do this with other people. Like it's great to help someone take a great idea that they have and turn it into something that you can publish and, and, you know, get a publishing deal or whatever. But what's even more satisfying and fulfilling for me is to, to talk to someone who really has a, a story that's unfolding in their own life, like outside of their own control mm -hmm. and to go like, what happens if we take this and put it down on paper? It not only reshapes the way that you see yourself inside of the story but it also can become a life raft for other people because now this book the the book ended up becoming my second book which is called indestructible i never thought i'd be able to publish the book but i did publish it in 2000 what was it 17 that that book came out and i get like the most beautiful responses letters emails from people who have read the book and said i read the, i read your story and i left an abusive relationship because of you or i read your story and i changed the way that i thought about my partnership because of you you know i got a message from a guy on twitter who said like i treat my wife differently because i read oh. that book so you know like a lot of really beautiful ripple effects have happened from the book but have happened 
inside of me letting go of the need for there to be some particular publishing outcome. I love working with people who are like either A, they say, I would never publish a book. That sounds terrifying to me. Or they're like, it would be cool to publish a book, but I have no idea how I would ever get there. That feels like such an undertaking. But they know they have a story that's burning inside of them that they want to tell. And I love partnering with those people to help them figure out a way to tell the story. Uncover. Wow. I mean, there's just like so many things in that conversation alone. I kind of want to go back to you. First of all, I just love your story. (laughs) I love your story so much. And your vulnerability that you offer in that, you know, and I, I know what it took for you to be able to show up in that. And I think that's what so many people are afraid of is showing up in that vulnerability and showing up and really letting themselves be seen. But that's actually yeah. where the power of moving forward comes from is in that vulnerability. So I want to go back really quickly to, yeah. you know, this journey of trusting yourself and trusting your mm-hmm. instincts. And when you decided to become the writer in the calling, and I think it's such a common theme in people's lives that the thing that they really know that they're here for, that they love gets this place because of all the people acting like they want to become the next Tom Brady, you know? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Because, you know, because they have like an aspiration. I mean, I even felt like that. I wanted to go to fashion design school and and do art as well. And, you know, it's really interesting because it doesn't matter. There actually is a market for that. You know, there's a lot of great resources for that. That's a whole other story I won't get into. I ended up doing business. I'm really grateful that I did. It was actually the better roundabout for me. So, but with that, any big dream that I've ever had, that I've ever heard people have, even if it's not unattainable, it's like if it comes out and it's a passion for you and it's not in the package of doctor, lawyer, Mm -hmm. teacher, something that's very tangible for others to understand, it gets pooped on. You know what I mean? Yeah. Really gets beaten up and then it makes you question yourself. So I love that you were able to pull yourself out of that, even though you went that path initially. And it sounds like it was the right path for you because it gave you that foundation in education. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Well, a couple of things I want to say to people just as encouragements is number one, you don't have to be making a full time living doing the thing you love in order to make it legitimate. So In other words, I could have kept my job as a teacher if I had felt like that, if I could feel like I could also give the energy to writing a book that I wanted to give to it. For me, like I didn't have the space because I was giving so much energy to teaching and that felt like it was a really big job. I didn't have the space to give that also to writing books. But what I don't want people to hear is like, well, if I'm not making a full-time living from my music or my books or my art or whatever, well, then... I'm not really doing it. I'm not really living out my dharma. That's not, you don't need to make money from the thing in order for it to be legitimized. I think what I would say to people is there are a lot of ways to make money. You could work at Subway and make money. You could work at, you know, like I I say that jokingly, but like you could go do literally anything and make money and then, and then find a way for there to be, like you could go to Starbucks and be a barista and make enough money to live on and then have a lot of extra flexibility and time mm-hmm. so that you can give your highest and best energy to this thing. And also, like, you know, I was so worried about making things work financially. And what happened was when I took the leap away from teaching, there were other doors that opened for me and other opportunities that came my way that allowed me to be inside of my genius and inside of that space yeah. and, and learn and also make money from learning. Like, for example, I've done a ton of ghostwriting for other people which isn't the same as writing my own books, but a friend of mine brilliantly said to me, it's basically like getting paid to get a master's degree in writing books. So that was like one way for me to practice my craft That's true. and get paid for it. And there are ways to make that work. But I just want people to know that like, they don't have to feel bad if they have this, you know, thing that's pulling at their soul and they're doing it, but they're not making a living from it. Like that doesn't matter. Yeah, I think the key for you was the teaching in the school system wasn't the right alignment for your soul, but the teaching was the right alignment. So you just had to extract and find a better solution of how that fit for you. Exactly. And the other thing I want people to hear is like, there's no way to fuck this up. 
So, <laughs> so like everybody you can saying, breathe. You can all deep breathe. You can't fuck up your dream. <laughs> yeah. Like I will have times, you know, you were talking about, I can't remember what you said that triggered this in me, but I will have times where, oh, you were talking about the courage to step out and do mm-hmm. this. And I'm, I'm going to be 40 this year. And I have times where I still am like, oh no, I should have stayed the path. Like I could have had, you know, a 401k and like, you know, I could have had a better plan for my future and whatever. Those, those fears still pop up. So like, I just want to put that out there so people don't feel like, you know, if they feel like, oh no, I made a misstep along the way you were talking about going to business school instead of fashion mm-hmm. school or whatever, like we could go back and try to argue those things with ourselves. Like I should have done it this way or I should have quit when I had the chance or I should have whatever. And there's just no way to mess it up. Like the the calling will keep pulling at you. It will keep gnawing at you until you answer it. And so you can't be too late. You can't, you can't mess it up. Mm-hmm. You can't get on the wrong path. There's no, you know, you can instantly get back into alignment with yourself. So I just don't want people to hear this and go, oh, I should have quit when I was 26, when I had you know, had the chance to do that. Yeah, the path will find you wherever you mm-hmm. are and it will show you your right timing. Even Absolutely. if that timing looks really different than society dictates it should, right? Exactly. I also want to go back to what you were talking about, about being able to find your healing through telling your story and mm-hmm. and really step away from your abusive relationship. Because I think that for everyone listening, you know, and I want to get into this too, because I love your thought process on this, that writing is really about learning to communicate with yourself and about learning to go inward. So whether you never even have any interest in writing a book, just as with what you went through, it not only empowered your steps forward, it empowered so many and impacted so many people's lives that you could never could have even imagined. And I think in healing our traumas and the things that we go through, I mean, you and I have talked about this. We both had abuse and trauma in our, in our life mm-hmm. stories. There's this really big piece that we feel almost an imposter of who we are. Like we feel like, oh, that part of the story should be left out. Oh, this isn't cool enough or this isn't as exciting enough. We can try to justify all of these different things. And especially when it comes to telling our stories of how we found the courage to move into new places in our life, whether that's stepping away from abuse or whether that's just, you know, in some people's minds, it seems very small, but it could be massive to another person, that validation. And something about writing, it's like it instills in you the truth of the experience you've gone through that sometimes when you aren't writing it down or you don't acknowledge it for yourself, it's easy to brush aside and not really give yourself that credit. Do you want to share a little bit about that? I do. I would love to. I think one of the things that writing does is it helps us see the story from the outside. So when you're living the story, you're living it from the inside. And there's a common phrase, I don't know who started this, but that you can't read the label from the inside of the bottle. (laughs) It's just a cool image to remind you that like you're living on the inside of the bottle and you're trying to read the label like upside down and backwards. And what writing your story does is it allows you to read the label from the outside of the bottle. So what happened when I put my story down on paper was I saw it from the outside and I started to see what had happened to me as if I were an observer or an onlooker of my life instead of inside of it from when it's just like this is it's like an onslaught of information that's coming in that I can't sort or make sense of. Yeah. So you know, I don't want people to get stuck inside of this, like, I got to make sense of my life. But you have to know that your brain is trying to make sense of your life, whether you know it is or not. And a lot of the times, one of the reasons why we feel exhausted or overwhelmed or defeated is because our brain is trying to make sense of something that doesn't make much sense. And we're, we're living inside of the bottle and we need to step back and to see our life story from an onlooker's perspective from a neutral space and be able to see ourselves as the hero inside of the story, see the transformation that's taking place, make sense of it, make meaning of it in a way that's constructive. Because inside of a story, we might make like, let me just give you an example that's really vulnerable, but inside of my abusive marriage, one of the pieces of sense that I was making of a story that I did not realize I was doing is I would tell myself 
this was happening outside of my conscious awareness, but I would tell myself inside of the marriage, I think the reason why I'm with him is because nobody else could handle this behavior. I'm strong enough to handle him. Mm. So I feel like God or whatever had brought us together because God knew that that this man needed someone like me in order to help him and that I, you know, nobody else would be able to to deal with this the way that I could deal with it. Like that's insanity and it's codependency at its very best. But, and I didn't know that I had that. I didn't know that it was happening until I started to write the story down. And then I was like, that's an insane way to make sense of this story. <laughs> so the new sense I made of the story was just like, no one should have to live like this. This is not a normal way to be in relationship with people. I can stand on my own two feet. I can make decisions that are good for me. I'm allowed to be happy in my own life. And when I started to make that sense of the story, it gave me more power back. It gave me more strength back. It gave me my courage back. And I was able to make decisions that were actually good for me. But I wasn't able to see that contrast until I started writing down what was taking place in my life. So I think that holds true for other people who write down their stories is you don't realize the sense that you're making of your story that actually like a lot of those sense-making devices that we used were handed to us. We didn't do that on our own. Someone handed me the idea that a woman should have to handle her man or a man should have whatever. That codependent way of thinking wasn't invented by me. That was given to me at a young age. So, and I just laid that on top of my set of circumstances. So what writing your story does is it puts the power back in your hands to choose how you want to make sense of this story. And that new way of making sense of it is the new way that you hand down to your children or to the next generation that, that lays the groundwork for how stories are going to be written in the future. So for me now, you know, I'm, it's been seven years since I left that relationship and I'm married again to a really wonderful man. We've got a great relationship that I'm very proud of and happy inside of. We've got two little kids, these things that I never thought I would have or have access to. And the reason I believe that I am able to have these things is because I made a different meaning of my story than I had before. That meaning is the meaning that lays the foundation for the relationship that I now get to enjoy. So, so yeah, like I got to publish the book and inspire people and other people have read the book and that's cool. But the bigger reward for me really is the life that I live inside of now. That's a much bigger and freer space you get than, every day you get to have yeah. every day and then to kind of extract that for people listening they're like oh I don't really have an abuse story to tell it's not necessarily about something hard and heavy this concept could be applied to any part the fact that you have found certain ways of thinking about things or doing things that seem you know, normal or easy mm -hmm. to you might be huge and impactful in somebody else's life. Or it might make sense for you to write it down and say, wow, I didn't realize how cool that thing was that I, that totally. I lived through or did. It doesn't have to be necessarily a challenge or a heartbreaking situation. It can really be anything and just taking the pieces and putting them yeah. together gives you a different perspective. Yeah, there are two ways to think about a story. One is a hero who wants something and overcomes some kind of conflict to get it. So we all have a story like that. Like, what do you want in your life that you don't have is a great story question to get you started. Another way to think about a story is a hero who overcomes some sort of unexpected obstacle and transforms in the process of overcoming that. So like, you know, the first way is like, what do you want that you don't have in your life? We all have something we want that we don't have. And the second one would be, what have you overcome and how has that changed you? Have you overcome a diagnosis or the loss of someone that you love or, or, you know, a tragedy in your life or chronic anxiety or, or something like that, that you've overcome. And, and then that's transformed you in some kind of meaningful way. So, and my belief is that everyone at some point in their life will live out both of these kinds of stories. Like you don't make it through a hundred years of life or 80 years of life or whatever without overcoming some sort of unexpected obstacle. But like when I was 26, when I was writing my first book, mine was much more the first type of story. It was like, I want something. I want to be an author mm -hmm. and I don't know how to get that. And so I'm going to set off on a journey to uncover how I get that thing. 
I hadn't really had a big loss yet. And then later in life came the big loss that, that I had to try to figure out how am I going to integrate this into my life and use it as a tool for transformation rather than, you know, when a tragedy happens, we can either kind of go, life will never be the same again. I guess this is just the world we live in, or we can take it and integrate it into ourselves to become a more powerful person. And I think telling our stories helps us to do that. Even if it's just to, to yourselves, even if yeah. you're just telling the story to yourself, it is powerful. I love that. Something else that you say that always has touched me is that you say communication with ourselves is a birthright. Sure. And I love that you speak to that and share that. How do you feel for people listening that they can start to develop that relationship and that communication? If this is something where, you know, never before have they really listened to themselves or written yeah. or channel written or put down pen to paper, where would someone start with this? I think journaling is a beautiful practice to open that line of communication. Journaling is really just about, it doesn't have to be like, there's a difference between a journal and a diary is what I'm getting at. Yeah. So a diary is like, here's what happened to me today. <laughs> and journaling can be that. I mean, that's a good entry point for journaling. But journaling is really about telling yourself your story back to yourself. So journaling can be about admitting to yourself a truth that feels hard to admit to anyone. Journaling can be about, you know, telling yourself a story from your childhood that you've never told to anyone else. It can be about working through a feeling that you have that you don't understand. And you would be, maybe you feel like in your life, you don't have another person that is safe enough where you can extrapolate and who could really hold space for a complicated feeling. Like this example just popped into my mind, so I'll, I'll share it. But like, if you're, we had, my husband and I had two children back to back very close and it's been like wonderful in so many ways and also like very disorienting. And I feel like that's a, a feeling that can be hard to extrapolate with very many people who, who may go like, you should be grateful. Lots of people try to have babies and can't have babies, you know, or are you saying that you're not grateful for your, whatever? So it's just one example of a feeling that you go Maybe it would be helpful for me to unpack this feeling, these complicated feelings with myself in a really safe space where I can say the wrong thing and no one's going to judge me. I can say whatever I need to say and, and really get to the truth that's going on here. And then as I sort through those complicated feelings, then maybe I start to feel safe enough that I can share them with a therapist or a trusted friend or my spouse if that person feels safe or partner. But to start with yourself, because, you know, you're your own closest confidant and you're your own best friend and you're, it all starts with you. So like, and, you know, even energetically, it's like, if I'm judging myself, mm -hmm. I magnetize people into my life who also judge me. And as wow. I become more gentle with myself through the practice of writing, I also magnetize people in my life who, who are very good space holders. Uh, I feel now that I have a hundred people in my life. I could call and say like, I'm having a really hard time with this thing that's complicated. And all of them would go, I get it. Tell me more, you know, but that was not true for me 10 years ago. And I, I think a lot of that has to do with me working it out inside of myself first. I think it's important to share with people listening to when you're just getting started with this, to go into a space where you set the intention to be non-judgmental of yourself. Give yourself permission to show up in that journal in an open-minded way of getting to know yourself and, and having that free space because otherwise we can also completely destroy ourselves in yes. a second and become our worst enemies. How, like, what are your tips, would you say, for people who are feeling imposter syndrome, even into writing to themselves, you know, mm -hmm. like, who am I to do this thing? Whether it's writing a book, writing in a journal or being their own worst enemy? Like what, what have you seen in working with people? Yeah, well that, it's interesting because that block, I'll hear a lot of people say like, writing feels so self-indulgent. I just don't know how oh. I'm supposed to make the time for something that feels so self-indulgent. And I have started saying recently that people who feel that writing is self-indulgent are terrified to be with themselves, to be with the self. Mm -hmm. Writing is self-indulgent. It's like, okay, go ahead, indulge yourself, you know? 
have a it's piece like, of chocolate while you're at yeah, it. Yeah, I'm like, yeah. don't you deserve <laughs> yourself deserves to take up some space in the world. So even just that, like even just initiating the practice of writing, if it feels self-indulgent to you, can actually be a practice of I'm gonna allow myself to just sort of like throw my arms out and take up some space. I'm allowed to be here. So even just putting the words on the paper can be the start of that, even if the words don't have any meaning to them at all. So that would be the first place I would say to start. And then the other thing that came up for me to say, and I don't know if this exactly answers the question, but I'm going to say it because it came up for me, is to remember one thing I've seen to be true as I've worked with writers is that when you write what's true, something amazing happens is the truth can morph and change. So what's true doesn't have to stay true. What's true today can be I'm completely overwhelmed. And there's something about admitting that truth that allows for the truth to dissolve and for something new to birth. So maybe what you write today that's true is I need to leave my marriage. And maybe something about admitting that truth actually dissolves and allows you to open and allows for a new space to open up inside of the relationship. So just know that because something's true today, sometimes people get really scared that like, you know, they'll write like, I hate my job. And they're like, oh my God, I can't leave my job. I've been here for 20 years. And it's like, just because it's true today doesn't mean it has to stay true. Either you can leave the job and that changes the truth. Now you don't hate your job. You have a new job and you love it. Or admitting the truth to yourself can open up a new space and allow for something new to birth, even inside of those circumstances. Oh my gosh. So yeah, I want to talk about this a little bit more deeply because on the energetic level of things, when we set those intentions, when we put words, it's like command, it's an intention, we're setting the seed. Mm -hmm. And sometimes, you know, as we're talking about limitations and feeling blocks and waiting for permission, that action of writing, as you say, it seems scary. And I want to get your feedback on this because I would imagine when you're blocked with something, when I feel blocked is when I actually go and put pen to paper and ask myself the question, what am I resisting? What am I blocked in? Yes. And when I open to that truth and I just, it could be one word following yep. that question, I answer, everything shifts because yes. in that writing action, it's a setting permission. We are giving permission to ourselves, to our energy body, to the world around us to say, okay, I am surrendering this block. And then that gives the whole universe permission to conspire in your favor and help you yes. find other solutions that weren't there before. Absolutely. I always say that writer's block isn't writer's block, it's life block. And if you don't know what to put on the page, it's usually because there's something you want to say or do that you feel you cannot say or do. And as you're able to put the words on the page, you will be able to do or say the thing that you wish you could say or do and then your writing also unblocks. So this is yeah. cool because writing becomes this amazing diagnostic tool where I can go, I'm blocked in my writing. So this shows me where there's more space to open. Like I think of it like a house where I was telling a client the other day, you have a house where like the master suite you didn't know was there, the door was closed and you just thought that was a wall. And you're, and it's like through the act of writing, you open the door to the master suite and you realize you have 800 more square feet of living space that you didn't even know about. And so think of the, the act of writing like that. When you come up against a block, it's a closed door that you think is a wall. And as you write into the block, the door opens and you're like, oh my gosh, this house is bigger than I thought it was. I have more yeah. freedom. I have more space. I have more, you know, like area to move around. So so writing can be just this really cool diagnostic, diagnostic tool where both we can see where the blocks are and then we also use the tool as a way to open the block. Yeah. It's so incredible that we have this at our access, right? And yes. what you were saying with your, your clients that say, well, it feels self-indulgent. This It's really interesting to me because I've noticed a pattern at certain times where I'm not really built, let me back up and say, I'm not really built to be in resistance of my life. I'm, I don't think any of us are, to be honest. Yeah. And so when I'm pushing to get something done, there's a resistance I'm having to struggle with in order to make that thing happen. And so I've noticed that the things that actually would help me unblock, help me expand, help me actually move into a place 
of getting the thing that I'm pushing so hard to get done, yes. done so fast. If I were to let go and really surrender and ease into that, the whole thing shifts and opens up. The things that I would find self-indulgent for me, I need to take walks outside. I need to exercise. Yeah. I need to get extra sleep. All of those things actually unlock the possibilities around me. But when you're in the middle of trying to do the thing that you're sitting there pushing so hard to do, just like where, you know, as you're saying, the people that are saying that's self-indulgent, there's a resistance in their life of trying yeah. to force the picture a certain way. And it's in the surrender in, as you said, getting close to the self that like everything opens up and becomes easier. Yeah. And, you know, that brings up for me to say that there are two ways that you could approach any situation. One is to go external and go fix the problem in the external. And I think even as writers, even as a writer professionally, I do this where I'm like, I'm on a deadline. Like we got to get this book yeah. out, you know? <laughs> and it's like, I know intellectually how to short circuit writer's block and just get the words on the page. I'm not saying that they turn out to be great words. They don't, but but I do know how to sort of like jump the obstacle and fix it on the external. But the other way is to go internal and ask ourselves, what is this block here to show me? And you can do this with writing or you can do it with any issue in your life. It's like if you've got a relationship, let's say with a friend where there's like a lot of tension and arguing or gossiping or whatever, you can either go to the friend and be like, we're going to sit down and we're going to not leave this room until we fix this. And you got to tell me what's going on and we got to, you know, figure this out. Which doesn't always work very well. It doesn't. It actually <laughs> doesn't usually actually. doesn't work very well. To yeah. fix the problem on the external only fixes it in that one circumstance. But what writing gives us is a way to go in and fix this on the internal and ask the question, what is this block here to show me? And when you fix a problem on the internal, it's fixed forever. Mm -hmm. It's fixed for good. It's like once I, once I took out this idea that I was supposed to fix this other guy in my life and I was the only one who could do this, once I extracted that belief and replaced it with a healthier belief, I don't ever have to do that again. Like I don't, he, people like him don't even come into my life anymore. They don't even mess with me. Yeah. They're just gone from my life not because it's not, yeah, it's not a match. So once you fix that internally, you don't ever have to fix that problem again externally. It's like, I don't need to be like, I've got amazing boundaries and I do, do, do like, I don't deal with people like him anymore. They just don't even come in my space. <laughs> so so I say that to say it's not, it's not like I'm free of problems. It's like when I come up against a block in my life and there are plenty that I'm working through now, I'm always going, I can go fix this on the external or I can go internal and fix it on the internal. And internal is more confusing, more chaotic, may take longer. It's a little bit harder to face because you have to take radical responsibility for your own space. Yeah, yeah. But it's more complete and more permanent and more satisfying. And let's talk about this a little bit because, you know, your your book took you three years longer initially to, to think. I think anything that we set in motion that feels like a passion to mm -hmm. us also brings up in us all the things that we need to internally surrender, work on, yeah. find better yeah. places. It's like, that's just natural, right? Like you, you're like, I've got my game plan. I know how I'm going to do this. And then you start in motion and your, your brain and your body and your whole spirit is saying, great, I want you to achieve this and I want you to do it in the healthiest way. So we're going to yeah. heal as we move through. So you want to share a little bit about that creative process and it's shape shifting a little bit as you, as you, I know I've experienced it with every creative project I've ever been involved in. But yeah. interestingly is when I do it for other people, if I'm building a business for other people, helping them mm -hmm. on a project that doesn't come up. So it's really easy to go. It's easier to do it for ourselves. It's easier to do it for someone else. And then it's easier for us to attack and use it as like, Oh, it must be a sign. You know, I'm not meant to do this or whatever. Yeah. Yeah, well, Stephen Pressfield talks about the resistance. He has a book called The War of Art, which you haven't read. It's, I know you've read it, right? We yeah, about I, this, I feel, yeah, The War of Art. I feel like I, I read it a long time ago. 
it is, it's an older book. I honestly came out in like the seventies or eighties, but yeah, I feel like I read it maybe in the 2000s, early 2000s. He, that's a brilliant book that t- I, I won't repeat a lot of what he says. Cause I feel like you could go grab the book and it's a quick read. It's like little essays, probably 25 little essays, like put together about overcoming resistance to do your art. But a couple of things I do want to say is when you sit down, especially to work on a project of writing a book, for example, or like writing a complete story, what happens as you work through that process is you, what's actually happening, it's happening on the outside is you're writing a book. What's happening on the inside is you're embodying the message of the book. Mm-hmm. So the reason why the process took me three years instead of six months is it I needed three years to embody the book. And then the book is this natural, easy result of me embodying the book. So it's like a process of manifestation. It's like with anything, you know, if you're trying to manifest a certain amount of money, for example, you have to embody that amount of money that you are worth that amount of money. And then the money shows up easily and effortlessly. Yeah. And books are the same. So if you want to write a book about organization, (laughs) you're like passionate about helping people organize their lives or whatever. What will have to happen is your life will have to get really organized internally. You'll have to become really organized and you'll have to become a person who this comes naturally to. And then the book is a natural manifestation of that. And what happens for a lot of people is in the process of writing a book about organization, for example, life throws all these curveballs at you to to show you where you're still not there yet. <laughs> yeah. And so like massive disorganization comes out of nowhere and, and people will go, oh my God, maybe this is a reason why I'm not supposed to be writing this book. I'm not the person. I don't have this all figured out. I'm not the authority on this. I could never. And actually what's happening is life's going, I'm giving you an opportunity to open that room and see that there's way more space in your house, that there's right. more here to be offered to you. So be careful what you want to write a book about because it's usually like a thing that life is really trying to teach you. My book is called, my my second book is called Indestructible. And that title came from a Steinbeck quote that says something, I won't get this exactly right, but like, I guess women really are more powerful than men, especially a woman who, who has love in her heart. I suppose women are indestructible, or I suppose love is indestructible. Love makes you indestructible. And the book really is about the transformation of me going from a woman who doesn't really know what it means to love herself and therefore doesn't really love other people who thinks she's a very loving person because look at what I can endure mm-hmm. for, the, for the sake of love, but discovers through the process of the book that I had no idea what it meant to be in love and discovers the part of me that's really indestructible. And, and like, when I say that that was an underworld journey of me slaying my greatest dragons, that's not an understatement. It's like, that's really what it took for me to write that book. And that book actually came in terms of a timeline much quicker than my first book. I wrote it in about six months, but it was a dark sign of the soul for sure to write everything that I wrote in that book. I'm so proud of you. Get into here. They just as you. I'm proud friend. Thanks. <laughs> that's that's amazing, and I think it's so inspiring. I know it's inspiring for me to hear. I'm sure it will ignite and inspire others as well. And you know, it's interesting. I just want to touch on as whereas for you, you had the idea to write your first book, and it took the embodiment of three years. I was actually just talking with our mutual friend Christine. Who you oh, helped? Yeah. yeah, we went on a hike this week, and oh, so good. she was telling me that her book is now complete, and you yes. helped you helped her with this as well. But so, on the flip side of that, for everyone listening, Christine had a book inside of her for several years without writing it, and so then mm-hmm. it came out very quickly. So it can show up in different ways, but when you're stretching yourself externally in ways that are known to you from an internal place, but externally, you're kind of stretching those new, you know, you're finding the new, the new room, right? The yes. new room in the house. That's where it does feel like every time you reach that, there's next levels and next levels and next yep. levels of embodiment. And then mm-hmm. once you get there, you're so solid and rooted. It's kind of amazing to look back and think, wow, I mean, I knew I was this person at the start of this journey but now you're the fully embodied version of that at the end of the journey 
these waves of the way that your creativity expresses, the way it comes out can show up very quickly. You know, I've done songwriting where I've written a song in like five minutes and it's been fully formed. And then other times I've needed to live it. I needed to live experiences before that music could come into physical form. So it all expresses in different ways, but don't give up on the art and the journey of getting to know yourself, I think is what we're touching in on. That's a beautiful, don't give up on the art of getting to know yourself. That is a beautiful way to say this. That's what, that's what writing is. Writing your story is the art of getting to know yourself. Mm -hmm. Thank you for that. I'm going to, I'm going to take all that. I am. I'm going to take a little note down. (laughs) I don't know what I need that for, but that's just a beautiful way to say what we've been saying. You can just put a little sticky on your wall and yeah, think of me. Yeah. In leaving with that and wrapping up this journey for everyone, you know, putting the pen to paper, getting started. What for you feels like that art of getting to know yourself, that flow of getting to know yourself? Like what are the tips that you've learned in helping others and in doing this for yourself that actually are the tangible tips that people can start with? Like okay, I'm journaling, but maybe there's like a process, like getting to know yourself (laughs) from the lens of writing. So I talk a lot about creating a pre-writing ritual. That's specifically to people who have already said they want to use writing as a practice to get to know themselves. So the reason why I have people create a pre-writing ritual is because there are all kinds of other tools that are great tools for getting to know yourself. Writing is just like one piece of a giant puzzle. And so sometimes if people come out writing and they're just like, they come at it with almost like a discipline, like I'm going to do this, then they start to feel really blocked because this is not like a, I'm going to do this kind of an activity. It's like there needs to be an opening and a surrender. And so other activities that help us to get in that headspace are things like you've talked about today, going on a walk, mm-hmm. getting your heart rate up in some kind of a way, getting a great night's sleep. You know, the part of your brain that you access when you're writing is your limbic system, which is very active when we're sleeping. So a great time of day to write is first thing in the morning because your brain has been in limbic all night, is in limbic when you first wake up in that morning, you're still in that kind of like half awake, half dream state. And if you can write from that place, then you don't have to drop out of your frontal cortex into your limbic system, but you're already in your limbic system and it can make it much easier to stay in a state of openness and flow. So going for a walk, getting a good night's sleep. One thing that I definitely do before I write is actually in the last two years, I haven't been drinking at all, but I will the night before I write, even before, you know, the last two years, I would not drink, not eat a lot of sugar, try to eat like a really good high protein meal, go to bed at a decent time, wake up, drink a bunch of water, have a cup of coffee. I like a little kick of caffeine in the morning (laughs) and then sit down and do my writing. So, so those are just a couple of suggestions, but like yoga is a great one. Meditation therapy is another really good, like ancillary resource to writing, EMDR, being out in nature, like all these things that are great ways for us to access our own openness, our own surrender, our own creative flow. They all fit together. So writing is just one part of that puzzle. And writing is beautiful because there's actually words on the page. It's like looking at yourself in a mirror where you can see the reflection of yourself back to yourself. But even if if writing doesn't call to you, don't force yourself to do it. If nature and meditation and yoga call to you and you want to do that instead. For for years, I was like, I got to convince everyone to get a writing practice. And then I was like, what am I convincing people to write for? Because I believe we have somewhere deep inside of us an innate draw to it and a desire to do it. And so what I want to do is if people are feeling that, I want to give them access. But if you're not feeling called to it, then do the thing you're feeling called to because you know better what's good for you than I would know what's good for you. So if you're feeling called to yoga, go do yoga. If you're feeling called to silence, do silence. If you're feeling called to taking a walk in the morning with no phone, then take a walk in the morning with no phone. But if some of those things help you to open up your writing practice and that's feeling good to you, then hopefully that can be a good little assist. I think those are great tools. And I I find 
such openness in rituals and in ritual practices. Mm. And even in writing, you know, like for me, I'll find conversations inspiring. So, you know, after this conversation, an idea might come to mind or I might listen to a great podcast and that might inspire, oh, I want to kind of journal, like what are my thoughts on this? And it's a great way to get to know your own voice by writing your opinions about different things that you hear or engage with, even if it's podcasts, you know, even if it's not in real life with your friends. Totally. Totally. There's so many different ways, but I love your your tools and rituals and (laughs) your beautiful story. Thank you so much for sharing. It's just really validating and liberating, I would say, getting to share in these conversations where there's permission, like you've given permission to say, do it your way, find the way that feels good to you. And if you want to do this as a writer, you have a lot of different avenues to show up in this and don't let any of them stop you, you know, go forward and find your own path with it. And I think that's beautiful because just as we talked about earlier, those things that light us up are usually the ones that we kind of shine brightly and then other people attract to that to kind of dim. But we are also in that dimming behavior. We're attracting that as a way to say, oh, let's like, that's not safe. We need to shut that down. So you have to keep showing up in that brightness and keep letting yourself be inspired by what's right for you. I love that. This has been so fun. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for joining. It is just so wonderful to always get to see you. So thank you. And I'll link in the show notes, all the different ways you can connect with Allie. Her Instagram is such an inspiration source as well that you always do so many lives and cool like videos sharing thoughts and ideas and it's just always fun to get to see what you're up to and also we have a writing workshop that's coming up in nashville called write your story and it's a really great kickstart workshop for anyone who's kind of new to this there are limited seats but the workshops registration is open now and i think we've got about 30 seats left if anyone's interested in that we will put the link in the show notes below And I'll connect that with a way to get to connect to you. And if for some reason anyone's listening and you've missed that deadline, just connect with Ali because I'm sure there will be other great treats and and workshops as well. So reach out, connect with us and let us know what you're working on. We can't wait to hear from you. Thanks, Georgie.